Um, you're still on in tune on SAFM. I'm joined now on the line by Ndogozo Kwabe, a uh, Rhodes Scholar who was one of the founders of the Rhodes Must Fall campaign at Oxford University. Ndogozo, good afternoon. Thanks for giving us your time. Uh, good afternoon, Susan. Yeah, apologies for earlier. I kept calling you Nontogozo. I gave you a bit of a sex change there. Excuse. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's totally fine. So you 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 you've made some really interesting comments. You you've talked about Ennisverse being a debt chain for black students, and you know I I asked earlier if the, if your timing is really you know if it's all wrong. Um, okay, in what sense? In the sense that we have these student protests now at the moment, and you know there's perhaps a fear that you might be adding petrol to a fire here. Well, there is no um, adding petrol to the fire by um, expressing uh, a reality that um, I think a lot of black students would agree to. Um, I mean, the struggle at the moment uh, for free education, which is what is going on in, in our campuses, speaks directly to the issue of um, rejecting Ennisfus as a, as, a, as a framework for, um, for, for funding higher education. We are saying that uh, higher education um, cannot continue to be commodified in the way that it is. And we have identified ANSFAS as being a particular problem that, um, in a sense, blinds black poor students into thinking that they have freedom to study in these universities because they can apply for a loan. But that loan, really, all it does is makes them debtors to a system before they even start working. I mean, what does it mean to go to work already owing um, like over 300,000, uh, which is usually the case. I mean, mm. uh, h- how is this a black reality? Because we know that, you know, it, it, it goes back to, to the question of blackness uh, at the end of the day, because other uh, students of other races are, aren't going through that, uh, that reality. So that's why we are, we are rejecting ANSFAS as being anti-black, and we are saying that we must start talking about um, moving towards a free decolonized education for, for black people. Okay, now let me let me play devil's advocate for a moment here, Togos, okay? Um, no problem. Okay, so in May, and you know where I'm going with this, right? In May, you made news because you um, said to a waitress that you would give her a tip once the land had been given back to black people. Now you're having... Mm-hmm. Um, a, a, a discussion with me about how NSFS is a debt chain for black students. The argument here mm-hmm. might be that you, number one, are racializing everything, and number two, um, that you, what, you, what you're doing is perpetuating this idea of black youth being people that want to tear absolutely everything down. So, well, I mean, firstly, I would then ask, I mean, where is the lie? So where is, where is the lie uh, in actually saying that... Uh, is a dead chain, chain for black people. Like, I would like, because people, you know, often say you are adding fuel to a fire, but they never actually address the issue. Do we, are we saying that there is no issue of black students who are indebted um, in hundreds of thousands before they even start working, which lock them uh, into an unjust system, meaning that uh, the minute you start working, and this is the thing, our, we must remember that the reality of blackness, and this is why it's about race, the reality of blackness is that we are taking care of families who have been denied any form of education, who have been denied because of our history of exclusion, um, access to socioeconomic goods. So I'm not just taking care of myself when I start working as a black person. The notion of black tax mandates that I take care of my family, relatives, 
even people who are part of my community who might not be related to me because as black people, we are naturally a socialistic people. We believe in the sharing of resources, right? That's always been our ethic. And that is the kind of community that I was raised in, having been born in mm. rural Esho in northern KZN. I was raised in a community that believes that we can't leave other people behind. And that is exactly what EMFAS does, you know, because uh, those students who graduate without having that debt can start with their lives, right? They don't have to worry about the fact that they are indebted. Uh, uh, but a lot of them would never have had the opportunity also, to even enter a tertiary institution were it not for Ennisfus. You see, but this is the thing, and this is why I feel like a lot of people misunderstand what they are saying. Mm. So we are not, we are not denying. Um, I myself am, 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 I was funded by Ennisfus, uh, and I am not denying that without Ennisfus I would not have gotten into university. But we are saying that that framework is simply not a sustainable one because it doesn't address the issue. The issue is that a social good like education is commodified in the first place. Hmm. It's not that it's 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 not the it's not the fact that, you know, yes, we are we, we do recognize, right, that uh, there is I mean there are many other ways of of, of, of you could make the argument that uh, even loans from banks, for example, provide an option for black people to enter into universities. But the reality of the situation, again, is more debt. And what does it mean for a social good? Because there is a constitutional right to education. Okay. Let's come up with, um, let's come up with models that you think will work. And then I want to open up the lines, Douglas. Sorry for jumping in. Hmm. But I, I jumped in because sure. I think even with the fees must fall campaign, there is this... Hmm. This real vacuum of where are the ideas that are especially mm. coming from young people? What are, they, what are the models that they're putting forward? I know that the Freeze Must Fall leaders have recently said that um, a model, a funding model um, that they suggest will be given soon. But what is your model then? If you want to tear so, NSS well, uh, down, so what are you... So one of the things, the reason why I need to... Um, I need to uh, collapse that that sort of construction of the student movement as being a sort of non-thinking that it just isn't true. From last year when Fees Must Fall started, the ideas, because again, like we are not just talking about free education divorced from the idea of black liberation, because we are saying that the commodification of education is a form of structural exclusion that is about excluding black people from the system. That is how universities okay. are going to I think what you you've done, Dogozo, is you've, you've misunderstood what I've said. Listen to me. Yes. I think you've misunderstood so, what I've said. So I'm not saying yes. that the students or in the student movement there is a void of thinking. What I'm saying mm. is missing is a model, well, a recommended model. Yeah, mm. Right. A mm. recommended model so, of how we fund free education. A recommended see, model mm. of how you would then replace the NSFAS mm. model. Okay, so there are two things. Ne? So the first one is that people often uh, in that conversation, one, make it our problem. The reason why we've elected a government that has experts, right? Because this thing is, 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 is this is not a new conversation. A conversation about free education has been going on since the drafting of the Freedom Charter in the 1950s. In fact, even before that, people were conversing about free education, right? Because there was an understanding that it cannot be commodified. Now, there have been numerous, numerous task teams, there have been numerous ministerial committees that have done feasibility studies 
and that have done work on models. But we know that that information is not being released to the public. In 2013, the very same minister who played did a feasibility study, right, mm. which constituted financial experts, people who actually have the resources, right, to do this kind of work. And we've elected them and put them into power to do this work. So why is it our burden all the time that we must now be the people to tell them? So that's problematic. Say that again. Should be I the people to, to tell say, what? I, I lost that. that the conversation also collapses because just because you don't like my model, uh, you say it's not a model. For example, we believe it is a model to, for example, levy a corporate tax. This is what Chidi did, right? Corporate tax in South Africa went from apartheid till now. Corporate tax has gone from being over 40% to being 27%. Mm. What does it mean when we know that there is money in the corporate sector, right? What does it mean for governments not to be willing to use their political role to tax companies, especially those that are in extractive industries, that are looting and taking them out of the country without benefiting the people to whom the resources belong. Because those resources do not belong to the private companies. They belong to the black people, the black majority that has always been dispossessed of their land and resources in this country since the arrival of the first white person in 1552. So we are saying just because our model is a model that people don't like, right, doesn't mean it's not a model. We've got a model. We've said, yes, you can actually learn from other experiences in other countries who don't have commodified education, who are making sure that they, they tax the rich and the rich pay. And this is what we are scared okay. of in this country because the ANC is invested in this same corporate private sector. I suppose suppose as a member of the media, what I'm waiting for is, um, you know, a a detailed model that we can all pick at and and, and give everyone an opportunity to really look at and think about. Um, But in the moment, for for now, let's just take a few calls, okay? Uh, Mm. Jonathan is on the line in Peter Marsburg. Jonathan, Jonathan, please switch off your radio. Please switch off your radio. Uh, good morning to you in a very interesting subject, as we all know. Mm. What I would suggest is that the first year, students pay for their tuition for that first year. If they get to a certain pass mark, and not a 30%, if they get to a certain pass mark, they can stay in the university and they get funded to a certain amount um, that is uh, realistic and that can be affordable, and um, then they sort of carry on. If they fail their second year, then they're out. Because there are always other students come climbing the uh, ladder which actually need to sort of get in there. And let's face fact, a lot of these students um, go there for the job, for the party, and for being in university and all the chickies and everything else. They don't really go there to uh, learn. So I think that must be um, tightened up. And this thing about all this nonsense going now, I, I feel any student that is caught burning or destroying any property of the government and of the um, universities, he should be caught, put in jail and expelled immediately. We cannot accept this, this, this hooliganism mm. and it's plain destruction. Yeah. yeah. Jonathan, thanks for calling. Make a few in Joburg. Make a few you know, I think the problem is that this whole problem is complex and there's no right or wrong. 
For instance, I had a loan with Standard Bank. When I finished school, I didn't go to the person who signed surety for me. I paid for that loan. Yes, it sat on my neck for three years, but at the end of the day, I, I paid that loan. Mm. That's number one. Number two, you know, they say we say we want quality uh, tertiary education. My problem is, is grade are they getting quality education? Because that is where the problem starts, because people who get into varsity, a lot of them are not varsity quality because they pass at 30 to 40%, and therefore they, we need to be screening who goes to varsity. And mm. even if you get a loan, if you don't pass, or even if you get free education in first year, if you don't pass first year, then you say, hello, thank you very much. There are other people who can pass first year. From now on, you must see for yourself. But mm. the other thing is that this less than 600,000, you know, we, we are deciding. Some parents may be earning more than 600,000, but the 600,000 has got more responsibility because you might find that there's family, there's got children who don't have parents. So it's a figure that people just throw around, whereas we don't know people's background. Some people are bringing up have died from any other disease or any other cause. And Africans, unfortunately, bear that kind of responsibility mm. because even if you earn 1.2 million, you carry your own facility and your sister's children are alone, they don't have a parent. So earning 1.2 does not just end there. But in Togoza, my, my other thing is that the matriculants of this year you are blocking them from getting into varsity next year. Ooh. And I think, as I say, it's complex. But if you don't write exams, it means they're going to be idle next year because... Okay. And I think that's one thing you're you are not considering as well. Yeah, those but coming behind them. Mickey, if you like, I need to let you go. Thanks for calling the last caller, John in Durban. John? I I just want to bust this, this racist list. Mm. Uh, that all white people have got so much money, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, my son is doing his final year IT at, at, at Tux this year. Mm. Uh, I'm a pensioner. Uh, we are battling. I've been fine now for, uh, since the beginning of the year. He needs to get his results in October. Uh, I cannot get a student loan. He can even pay it off himself. Uh, you know, but the difference is with, with some of the black students and, and some of the white students, in the old days, uh, um, I have uh, friends that the daughter actually assisted in her third year, etc. She was assisting with lectures mm. and getting credits from the university for the work she was doing with the first years. Uh, uh, my own son himself uh, uh, is driving cars for, 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 for motor via, etc. from the station to the storage area in Kenton Park. Uh, at night time now he's working for an IT company uh, in other words people are waitering they're doing all sorts of things uh, to assist with, with, with paying uh, their fees yeah. and white kids have been doing this for years and years and years and years uh, but you cannot go to varsity fail three years in a row and expect the, the state to fund you now first of all the funding must go to where we need it let it go to the BSc students for the engineers uh, for the uh, electrical engineers, etc., etc., for the IT people that we need so uh, urgently, uh, instead of spending so much money on, on BA degrees, uh, where the people are walking now not being able to get jobs because basically many of them are useless and okay. oversupplied. Uh, right. So what I'm saying is, yes, let's put the funding where it's needed. Let the government say, we need so many engineers, we need so many IT people, and uh, fund we those. will fund that.
Okay, yeah, John, thanks for calling. Um, yeah, those are the, view that are the views that are coming in. Dogozo. Um, I need to read this SMS. Your, go, your, guest is totally mis- your guest is totally misleading us, the black students. Who appointed Ndogozo to be our voice to start with? That's Cindy at UWC. What do you say to that, Ndogozo? I have not purported to be a voice. Black people, black students are speaking themselves through the movements that they have formed. Uh, if anything, I find that to be um, a totally misdirected personal um, attack on me. I, I don't have anything to say to it because it's not actually dealing with the issue. Right now, we need people who want to deal with issues and not who is raising the issue and who's not because there are movements. Like, this is a discourse of a movement. It's not just one person or two people. So I won't engage that very much. I want to engage on the substantive issues that have been raised. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, Do you want so to respond to some of the points that have been made by my by, by the callers? Sure. Okay. So one caller again, like I think there is a gross um, uh, sort of mentality that is out of touch with the realities of the majority of people in this country that masquerade as rational. Um, so, for example, when people talk about yes, we will fund. Um, you know, we must only, people must pay from first year, and then depending on how they perform, uh, we must give them free education. That is nonsensical. I mean, like, the reality of the situation, and I, I like using personal stories, because those um, highlight uh, systemic issues in ways that people can understand. Mm. I, myself, am often celebrated as this, you know, exceptional black person who made it against all odds and was able to go to Oxford. But people do not want to talk about the fact that I was at adversity for an entire three years because I had to work as a cashier, the same work that uh, white people often tell us, well, you know, we have to wait and do all of these things as if black people are not looking to do that work, right? It's this narrative that we are lazy, we everything for free. That just isn't true, right? No, we know a lot of black students get excluded and never come back. I was lucky that I had the strength to be able to come back. And I do not want people to celebrate that as some notion of showing that only if you work hard enough, you know, because it doesn't address the structural reality. I shouldn't have to to have dropped out in the first place. I mean, imagine I was so close, right, to never coming back to university again, which is the reality of most excluded, financially excluded black students in South Africa, right? So, you know... I, I, I really want us to go to the bread and butter and, 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 uh, of, 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 of this issue, and okay. that is that education should just not be commodified. It's a social good. It is something that we should be using to develop right. our society. Let me read some of the SMSs that product. have come in, Douglas. So, yeah, you've made that point. Let me, let me read the SMSs that have come in. Uh, decolonize hmm. education. What is your guest talking about, is why, and why is he himself studying in a colonized institution? That's Fanonob in Cape Town. Um, yes. Another one that says you're telling lies. That's in all caps. Hundreds of white students graduated and had to work to pay back their loans. Um, it is not because of blackness. My white husband had to pay back many, many years ago. So get your facts right, young man. That's from Ava. Sepoy um, in Port Elizabeth says your guest has the freedom to go find himself in an uncolonized institution anywhere in Africa. Ooh. Um, I've read Cindy's. Uh, let's see. I don't know yet um, why we're making this thing of free education so difficult. It's simple. Let's increase the tax for those who are earning above 500K, and this is possible because 
it will mean that the money that we pay for education policies will fall away and I'm prepared to pay extra tax myself. That's from Martin. Those are the views that are coming in from the SMSs and our listeners. What do you want to leave us with? I mean, what what now? You you comment on, on media about NSFAS being a debt chain for black students. Is is that it? Are you are you going to be commentating on this issue but or, or, or is there action? Well, I mean, of course there is action. I mean, this is why at the moment we are seeing what we are seeing in South Africa where um, our, our universities are not operational and people are saying you cannot um, continue operating a university uh, in Africa that excludes the majority of uh, people who exist within that context. People speak about institutions like UCT, white people in particular, um, speak about, you know, yes, you know, I'm at UCT, I'm working hard, I'm paying, blah, 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 but they don't talk about the reality of UCT being a university in Africa but being a majority white university. What does that mean? I mean, I don't think we've, you know, we've actually interrogated what the purpose of the university is supposed to be. You see, one is of the challenges, that, let, me, let me just say something, Dogozo. One mm, of the challenges mm. that the student movement is going to have is the fact that there is just, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but there's a sense that you have also compounded so many issues on top of each other, that it's really difficult to start thinking about what solutions it is you're looking for. Because here we have a discussion about NSFAS um, and Mm. how it's funding black students, as you say, chaining black students to debt, Mm. and you go back to institutions themselves being um, so white. Because we understand, we, we locate our struggle, and this is what people need to understand. These are structural issues linked to how South Africa is structured as a society. And in order to understand and provide solutions, right, that work, we need to diagnose the problem properly, right? We need to go to the root of the issues. It's not just, right, a question of answers. If we do that, then we miss the fact that these universities operate as exclusive colonial outposts which favor white people, which cater for a white minority. That is why they can still be majority white when white people only constitute about 8% of the population. Okay. What does that mean? Let me hear from Dumsani in Durban. Dumsani, good afternoon. Uh, Good afternoon. How are you? I'm well, Dumsani. How are you? Okay. Uh, I just wanted to say that, you know, I I work uh, consulting with universities, and Mm. the conversation has been kind of binary as in, fees or no fees, but it's actually much more complicated than that because I'll just make three three quick points. The first one is you have to define what is quality education. You know, are you, de- are you developing kids for today's jobs or for tomorrow's jobs? If mm. you're developing for today's jobs, then you can make it free to an extent, but then they won't be marketable after that. If you're developing for tomorrow's jobs, then you have to invest in new equipment, new skills, yeah, the space needs to increase. You have to recalculate your curriculum. You have to do much more research, which costs a lot of money. And okay. secondly is the, the the fees is not, you know, the subsidies that kids want is not being linked to performance of the kids. You know, in some of the universities, the throughput rate is extremely low. You know, you've got three-year diplomas which are taking six, seven years. Now, that means you're mm-hmm. taking away spaces for other kids, other kids who are supposed to be there during that time. Mm. And it's also not being linked to student behavior, which might be 
in some in some universities high absenteeism. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you're, if you're you know, not attending classes, there's no way you're going to pass your test. There's no way you're going to pass the year. See, and the point there's about no the performance of students is one that's been raised so many times, Dumasani. Thanks for calling, and I think that's the last call I'm going to take on this discussion. Uh, and, and, and we heard Ndogozo really just charge at that very idea, but we need to move towards wrapping this up, Ndogozo. Um, no. So, I mean, the first time we saw you was at the beginning of the Roads Masterful campaign. Did you at any point imagine that this would be the ripple effect? Which is why we always take the issue back to uh, it being linked to our struggle for decolonizing universities. We understand that, you know, fees are the issue, but we need to address them in a context that deals with the very same issues that were raised by Roads Must Fall, and that is the ongoing coloniality of the university as a site that serves white interests and that excludes black people. And this notion of, you know, quality education and marketability, you know, this idea of adopting market language towards education, which is a social good, right? Education is about knowledge. It's about people knowing themselves. Mm. It's about us knowing how our societies run and improving them. It's not about markets. I mean, this sort of, um, you know, neoliberal capitalist thinking of education as a product that you buy, we need to dismantle that. Because this is exactly the problem that we have highlighted, that we are saying, that doesn't work, hmm. right? It just doesn't work. Education isn't something that you sell and buy. It is a social good for the development of society that we thrive as a South African. We make the South Africa that we want. Hmm. Okay. Dogozo, let's let you go. Thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. All right. Thanks, Nelly. Great stuff. Dogozo Kwabe, Rhodes Scholar, who was one of the founders of the Rhodes Must Fall campaign at Oxford University, he says that Inesfas is a debt chain for black students. Um, I can't wait until we have, and hopefully we will quite soon, a proposed model. You know, we have these young people that are in these institutions of higher learning. So by virtue of that, they're thinkers. Um, let them bring us a model so we can look at it. And, and if, there, if there are holes, we'll poke holes. And then if not, we'll say, look, there's a suggestion that works. Um, but are we going to keep talking about models and not actually look at some of them? Uh, let's look at the numbers, what, the, what, the, what it is that the students themselves are proposing. All right, it's 25 to 1. You're still on in tune on SAFM.